Welcome to the Duck Pin Podcast with your host, Brian Griffiths. And now, here's Brian. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Duck Pin Podcast. I am your host, Brian Griffiths. With me today on this week's show is Coach Dustin Mills. He's the head coach of the J.M. Bennett Clippers football team in Salisbury, Maryland. He's also the founder of Anchor Down Leadership, a company that helps organizations develop new leaders. You're not going to want to miss this week's show on the Duck Pin Podcast. Our guest this week on the Duck Pin Podcast is somebody with a very interesting background. He's a social studies teacher, but he's also the head football coach of the James Bennett Clippers High School in Salisbury, Maryland. Joining us this week is Coach Dustin Mills. Dustin, great to have you on the Duck Pin Podcast this week. I appreciate you having me, Brian. Uh, You know, there's been a lot of opportunities with podcasts and things like that recently, so I've really enjoyed it. I've been looking forward to uh, getting on with you. I think you guys are doing some some really cool stuff with the duck pin, and uh, looking forward to watching you guys grow. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Let's talk a little bit about football first. Sure. Um, your first year head coach. This is supposed to be your first year coaching the Clippers this year, and unfortunately, the season has been uh, to date. It's been canceled. You're not actually getting to play games this year. No, no, no high school football is being played in the state of Maryland this year. How are you handling that as a first-year coach, and how are you coaching your team through this? So, you know, uh, this is a question I get asked a lot, and certainly there's a lot of obstacles. You know, there's a lot of things thrown up in our way. You know, we were able to meet with them for about three weeks in person um, this past summer, and it was nice. We did some, you know, uh, social distancing, strength and conditioning, as we called it. They worked in their boxes, and that was really cool. Uh, And then they put the kibosh on that um, for a variety of reasons. Nobody had COVID or anything. Um, Other than that, we have not worked with them in person. Uh, The last day we had um, March 12th or something. It's been a long time since we met them in person and talked football. Um, So certainly there's those obstacles that we've had to overcome. We've done some things digitally. We're getting ready uh, next week to start what they're calling our virtual season for the fall, where we have about a six week span. We're going to meet with them three times a week digitally, um, work on some X's and O's stuff. Sure. But also do some academic stuff, you know, because with this (laughs) digital education, excuse me, uh, you know, being on Zoom, it's a whole new world for a lot of these kids academically. So we're going to try and work with them through that. Uh, do some character and leadership stuff and that sort of deal. Uh, you know, so it's easy to talk about the obstacles, but I really think there's also a lot of opportunity as a first year coach, you know, coming in, although uh, I've been with the program since 2007, you know, kind of becoming the guy I want to kind of put, you know, I don't want to say my stamp, but I want to change some things about the program. Um, you know, first thing I did when I got hired as head coach was fire myself as offensive coordinator because <laughs> I, I, I was an above average play caller at best, um, you know, brought in a new guy to be my offensive coordinator. So we're putting in a new offensive scheme. Um, we are changing up our defensive scheme to something I think is going to make our guys a lot more successful. Um, I guess I then rehired myself as special teams coordinator. So trying to do some things. So we have a lot of things we want to do. And and usually as a head coach, it's kind of a rush to try and get those things in, right? We want to do all this new stuff. And then the season hits you and you're like, oh, crap, we're behind. We have the time to work on that now. We have the time to make sure that the X's and O's are sound, the the philosophy is sound. Um, And we're changing everything from the way we practice to the way we dress. 
all in a way, in my opinion, to make us more efficient, make us a better program. So COVID has really given us the opportunity to to do that, to really dial in those ideas and those philosophies and those techniques. Um, you know, so it's easy to talk about the obstacles, but I think there's actually been a silver lining, so to speak, that's been great for me and my coaching staff. Obviously, we want to work with our guys, but we're going to make do with what we can. That's fascinating just to kind of get a coach's perspective on this, considering uh, obviously there's a lot of programs around the country uh, who are not mm-hmm. playing this fall. And it's just it's got you have a new unique perspective there as as a new head coach. Let's talk about leadership. You started a company sure. anchor down leadership anchor down is the slogan that you guys have adopted uh, for the Clippers football team. Um, and, it, and your company is decided, you know, dedicated to to improving leadership. So I guess the best question I can ask, why now and why start a company dedicated to developing leadership? Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of reasons for why we're doing this and why this is started. You know, the whole the whole genesis of the idea kind of stems from my background of who I am. I grew up in a, in a military family, um, you know, so I kind of saw leadership from a very early age, uh, you know, in learn from some great leaders, learn from some poor leaders. Uh, you know, we, we met early on being involved in politics, you know, so I did that for a spell and certainly learned a lot about leadership from that. I would say that was more of a, um, opportunity to learn maybe what not to do, but, you know, I've had the opportunity to interact with some really tremendous leaders, um, and see a lot of things in practice. And it's something I made a study of as well, because, you know, going back to my coaching roots, but also just in general, you know, everybody wants to be X's and O's, right? Everybody wants to be technically good at their job. Everybody wants to be job competent. And that's awesome. But what I found is we focus so much on job competency that we lose a lot of that individual leadership competency. And, you know, my passion is kind of getting that back into people, you know, coming up with formalized systems, say, here's how we're going to teach leadership in our company, in our team, in our school, in our school district, whatever it might be, we need to establish those formalized leadership processes. Cause you know, I look around and I see a, a leadership void. I see a lot of people who are really good at their jobs, but I don't see a lot of people who are really good at leading other people. And I think that's an evolution. We miss a lot of times when we promote people, when people move up the chain, so to speak that, you know, just because they were really good at their job, how are they going to make other people good at their job now? And that gets lost a lot of times. So it's just an opportunity for, you know, me to pass on some of the things I've learned. I think that as, you know, obviously as a teacher, as a coach, but I think as humans, one of the best things we can do is pass on our knowledge to the next generation or just to other people um, because that's how we grow. And I think people are like plants. The minute we stop growing, we're dead. So we need to continue to grow. And, you know, I've learned a lot. I've learned from a lot of great people, certainly, a lot of the ideas that I espouse, I, I don't think are groundbreaking. And I, I don't think anybody would necessarily say, I've never, I, I've never heard that before, but I'm trying to put it in a way that's maybe a little bit more understandable, understandable, a little bit more um, layman's terms. Maybe I'm a big fan of analogies and stuff like that. So it's really taking all the leadership things I've learned, noticing that there's a startling lack of formalized leadership training and a startling lack of leadership in general in modern society and trying to bring some of that back 
you know, one by one, person by person, organization by organization. Yeah, you definitely talked about the lack of leadership there. And, and you, you talked about our, our start in politics and uh, how we mm-hmm. saw some good leaders, but a lot of leaders who probably are are lacking. And we're seeing that kind of playing out in the long tail of that play out nationally mm-hmm. right now. And it's not just politics. It's uh, no. it's obviously in all of society. But one of the things that's interesting, too, is um, you talked about leadership development and building and building leaders. Obviously, as somebody who is both a teacher and, and, a, and a football coach, as you mentioned, you want to build leaders for tomorrow. And obviously, um, when a college, when a football player is looking at potentially getting a college scholarship, one of the things that their programs that are going to recruit them is looking for is, is additional leadership skills. How much of that has influenced your decision to kind of kind of take that? You know, take that take that beyond because obviously here we're to here we, it's school. You're talking about developing young men. You're talking about developing 14, 15, 16, 17 year olds. Now with your new company, you're trying to expand that focus a little bit. So how I, I guess the question is, how much of that kind of translates to um, you know to a, to a more diverse clientele? Taking what you've learned teaching young young men, particularly as a football coach, and applying that to to other age groups other situations other environments yeah i I mean i think the principles are kind of um you know universal i think the ideas that we're talking about are based in solid foundations and i think no matter your age you can always learn these new things or even just have them reaffirmed you know you might already know them but to hear them maybe talked about in a different way to be brought up a different way it goes oh yeah that's right i forgot about that um you know certainly the way you address the individuals would be different. You know, I would certainly never talk to, you know, a crowd of business owners the same way I might talk to my 17 year olds um, in the meeting room. But at the same time, the philosophies are the same. And, you know, I don't care if you're, you know, 16 years old or 60 years old, like what we're talking about is how to develop yourself as a leader and then develop others as well. Um, You know, it might look different based upon your role in society might look different based upon your position. But the idea of character development and developing character-based leaders, I don't think changes as you get older. Um, you know, we might institute it differently. We might uh, install it differently. But the idea remains the same that, you know, we have these five anchors of leadership that, that we espouse to, you know, the, in no particular order. We have selflessness, commitment and competency, respect and relationships, positivity and ownership. And I think those five things are, uh, can be applied across the, the spectrum, whether you're young or old, you know, a, a beginning leader, an experienced leader, whether you're the CEO or the janitor, you know, I think those five anchors, as we call them, um, <clears throat> apply universally. And I think that no matter your age, you can continue to grow and learn new techniques. Um, so, yeah, I think they apply across the board. One of the things I've always been keen on as, you know, in, in trying to teach people things is trying to make sure that they're able to train the trainer. Um, you know, so that you teach somebody a competency and they know enough to teach that competency to other people in their organization. How important is that when developing leaders and how do you kind of approach teaching new leaders how to make new leaders themselves? I think it comes, you have to have a sense of humility that I think that as a leader, it, it's kind of a weird duality. You, you need to be irreplaceable. And you need to be easily replaced at the same time. And and when I say that, I mean, you know, your energy, your positivity, the things you bring to the table should be irreplaceable. But at the same time, you should develop the people around you to such a high level that should you leave, 
somebody can step in and the organization continues to run. And it kind of goes back to that humility, like I talked about, understanding that the organization is always going to be bigger than the individual, whether we're talking about, you know, the United States of America or my high school football team in Salisbury, Maryland, that the organization's success is paramount. Because what we see is when the organization is successful, the individual is successful and it doesn't always work the same way. And I think that's where we get caught up as individuals is like, well, you know, if I'm successful as a player, if I'm successful as a mid manager or whatever be, that's great for me. But no matter how successful you are, if your company's failing, it's all for naught. You know, look at things like the, the all pro lists or the pro bowl lists for, you know, the NFL or any all-star team, usually the best teams have the most all-stars, you know, and there's kind of a symbiotic relationship there. So if I want to be successful as an individual, I need to make my organization successful at first. And so when it comes to um, training people to follow me, then I need to keep that in mind and realize that it's not about myself. It's not about my greatness. It's instead about the organizational greatness. And when that's my number one goal, then I will train people to replace me. And that's essentially what I'm doing. I'm training my replacement under the idea that maybe I move up, you know what I mean? Or under the idea that maybe I no longer do this, I make that choice. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you keep the idea that the organization comes first and you re remain humble, then it becomes easy to train those leaders to replace you because you understand that the better I train them, the better it makes our company or organization or team, the better it makes me as an individual. And it's kind of a, uh, you know, it's kind of understanding that you're in a forest and not staring at a bunch of trees to kind of run that old uh, analogy out, so to speak. There are some people who think that leaders are born, uh, that people are just born with great leadership characteristics, great leadership ability. Uh, I think anybody who uh, has been in organizations, has been amongst a team, knows that that's not necessarily the case. And I know that's one of the things that you like to talk about is that leaders are made and not born. Explain a little bit about how that how that works, what you mean by that, and whether or not you think there are innate leadership traits that are just in all of us. So, you know, to that piece, you know, people always say, well, well leaders are born. I think people might be born slightly more charismatic, slightly more outgoing, you know, and, and have that sort of appeal to other people. But leadership is just like anything else. It is a developed skill. You have to learn it. You have to practice it and you have to pass it on. Um, you know, look, you look through history and you see some great leaders, you know, sure. Uh, Alexander the Great, no granted, he was born as a you know going to take over the kingdom kind of an accident of birth so to speak but he was a great leader but then you look at somebody like the duke of wellington who wasn't generally very well revered um he ends up becoming the prime minister of great britain you know he certainly wasn't a very charismatic individual but he had leadership skills that helped him gain a following you know people like that um you know so it's it's always going to be about what you can, your capacity to learn, your capacity to grow, and your capacity to, to learn new skills. And I think that's what leadership is. You can be born with charisma. You know, you can be born. It's, it's almost like that old Pygmalion thing, nature versus nurture, right? Um, you know, I firmly believe that uh, leadership is a nurture. That is, you're taught it as you see what it is and you're exposed to it. You develop your leadership skills. You might have some basic talent at it. You know, talent's always uh, the great mitigator, but again, just like being a really fast runner, if I don't go out and train 
in the 100 meter dash, how am I ever going to beat Usain Bolt? I can't just roll up one day, run as fast as I can and beat him. You know, um, it takes time, it takes skill development, it takes learning new things. And, you know, look at all the top pros in any sport. Not only are they extremely talented, but they're usually one of the hardest workers around, um, you know, because they go hand in hand. So even if you are born with some characteristics that might make you a great leader, you're still going to have to learn those skills and develop your skill set as the leader um, and as an individual. I don't want you to give any away trade secrets here, obviously, because uh, I want you to make some money. <laughs> but um, you mentioned the five the five anchors of of leadership. What are some other key things that people should think about when it comes to developing leadership skills? What are things that people can kind of do on their own without you know just just to kind of think about how to develop their own skills? So a big thing for me is, and I actually just recorded two a part one and a part two uh, episode on my podcast about this is they can really work on their own mindset. And I think COVID has really revealed a lot of this. Um, And I think you would probably agree with me here, Brian, people love the victim mindset, right? They like to feel like they're the victim. Oh, woe is me. Something bad happened to me. You know, we talk about with anchor down leadership. And again, this is, this is not uh, copyright. This is, you could probably talk to any leadership individual and they would say this, you know, process orientation versus outcome orientation. What's more important to you um, as an individual? So like you said, even if you're not trying to develop a leader, not trying to sit through any formalized program, if you cross, I'm sorry, outcome-based to process-based, it's really going to make life a lot easier and it's going to make you a lot more successful. Um, You know, and and to kind of briefly sum up what that is, outcome-based is based upon what can I get? Process-based is... uh, upon how do I get there? And I think that as people were so caught up in what can we achieve? What can we do? You know, we hear people talk about setting goals all the time and so many people fall short of those goals, right? Every January, millions of people set new fitness goals and they go to the gym and it's their resolution about three weeks in, they burn out, you know, they get frustrated. They haven't lost the 30 pounds that they wanted. The ones who are successful, the ones who say, hey, you know, I haven't lost those 30 pounds yet, but I lost two pounds last week. It's part of the process. Next week, they might lose three. And then, you know, over time, not only will they lose 30 pounds, they might lose 50 pounds or 100 pounds. And that's process-based thinking is understanding that no matter the obstacle, right, COVID, um, you know, a a, a bad relationship, an emotional downturn, that things are never as bad as they seem because I'm going to learn from them. And on the flip side of that is things are never as good as I think they are because there's there's going to be a, a pitfall along the way. And if I can maintain that emotional even keel, if I can maintain maintain that emotional stability, then I'm probably going to be more successful as a person. You know, think about uh, any of the people you know that are more or less successful. And, and one of the things they have, in my opinion, is emotional control. You know, they're not reacting um, ex- in extremes. They, if when they make decisions, they're moderate changes. They're changing maybe their process. But they're not saying, well, that didn't work. Let's throw the baby out with the bathwater. They're saying, okay, what's the what's the lesson we can learn, adapt, and overcome? And, and that's a process-based mindset. And it applies to an, on an organizational level, but I really do think it applies on a personal level uh, with the way we handle our day-to-day things. And I think that's – if I had to pick – you know, if there was one thing I could change in people, it'd be understanding that, yes, bad things are going to happen. And yes, good things are going to happen. Don't overreact to any of them. You know, control your emotions. Remember that this is all part of the process of growth. This is all part of the process of becoming successful. And, you know, with that piece, it's also understanding that success is never really 
achieved. And I know that sounds weird to say, but it's understanding that once you achieve success, then it's, you want to sustain that success. And it's a, it's a daily battle, so to speak, or it's a, you know, whatever your time frame is of maintaining that success, you know, from a, from a football coaching perspective, would I love to win a state championship every year? Absolutely. Is that realistic? Probably not. So instead, what does sustained success look for, look like for my program? And, you know, that's our goal. Our goal is to have sustained success where we do win championships. And, you know, we might have a couple bad seasons, but overall, we're one of the more successful programs, you know, in the area. And I think that's what we should want as individuals. We may not make a million dollars, but if I can sustain and make, you know, whatever amount of money I need to make myself happy every year, then that's success in my opinion. So, um, you know, changing a mindset from outcome based and what I what can I get to process based of how can I get there, I think would be huge for uh, most people. Well, let's talk about process a little bit as it relates to what you guys do as a company. Um, walk people through the process when when somebody reaches out to you, brings mm-hmm. you guys on board. What does that process look like kind of from inception to, um, you know, to, to kind of the finished product? What does that process look like? So it really depends on what they are interested in. You know, we can work one-on-one with, with the CEO, with the owner, with the, you know, the, the, the great grand poobah or whatever the leader of your organization is called to, we can work with management staffs with, uh, you know, the immediate coaching staff, uh, whatever, you know, we can go from the micro level with one person to the macro level and working with, you know, your entire organization. Now, granted, working with entire organizations is much more timely and takes a lot more um, you know, uh, innovation in, to institute, but it can be done. Um, but yeah, once you reach out to us, we certainly say, okay, w- we figure out what you want, but we also try and figure out what you need. And one thing that we like to do is we like to, you know, spend as much time with you as possible early on is spend as much time analyzing what do you do now? And that's, you know, through asking you through speaking with the individual who is the, the main leader, um, the mid-level managers to everybody down that we can get a hold of and say, first of all, what's your opinion of the leadership in this company? I think that's huge to gauge is what do people think about the leadership in their organization? Um, you know, and it's a simple say, okay, what are some improvements that you think can be made? And we go back, um, you know, we do lectures, so to speak, presentations, I guess I should call them, on the five anchors of leadership you know, um, talking about ways you can improve as an individual with systems that are in place. And we, we make recommendations upon, okay, here's, here's something you might be able to do that would empower your people and make them better leaders and make your organization more successful. So it starts with that, that initial contact, figuring out what are you interested in, and then assessing what you already do. And then trying to come up with better ways to improve upon that. And, you know, we find that sometimes people have some pretty good things and they're already doing some things that are well on their way to being successful. They just need to be tweaked here or there, or maybe they need to realize that they're missing a piece of this that can make them, you know, better. Um, You know, so that's kind of what it is from beginning to, and I would argue there's never really an end, you know, so to speak, I think, like I said earlier, you always continue to grow, but you know, we can, we're willing to stay on retainer and come out, you know, um, if you are a, a high level decision maker, you know, cause one thing that we talk about is paralysis by analysis. Right. And the idea that there's so much information out there that I go to make a decision. I'm so worried about making the wrong decision that I make no decision. And I would argue that's actually worse. Um, 
you know, so we're, we're always available and, you know, reach out and say, Hey, this is what I've got in front of me. We can talk through that decision-making process, you know, and that kind of happens after, and that's more of a, of a personalized deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's essentially what we're doing. We're meeting with you, figuring out what do you already do? How can we make it better as well as, uh, trying to come up with ways to develop the skills of the people in your organization. We talked earlier a little bit about the lack of leadership that we see both politically, just nationally in, in general, internationally, you could argue. Sure. What are some what are some good examples? Though? Who are who are who do you find to be good leaders out kind of in the public sphere? Who can you identify as somebody uh, you can point to to somebody who would ask you on the street and say this person makes a good leader? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, as a football coach, I tend to gravitate towards them. Um, you know, and there's certainly umpteen out there. And I think when you're trying to determine if somebody is a good leader, it's not just an analysis of their skills, but it's analysis of how much do their people trust them. And I think that's a big part of leadership is if your people trust you, you can do a lot of things. You know, I look at somebody like a Dabo Sweeney and I know he's, he's kind of a, he reminds, he reminds me of like a, of a charismatic church leader. You know what I mean? When you hear him talk um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I know that kind of gives rubs people the wrong way sometimes just kind of that approach. But I look at Dabo Sweeney and I realize that every member of his program is totally bought into what he is selling. And, and that's, I think, um, you know, a fantastic thing. I think that's someone who's a great leader. Um, you know, and kind of the same thing with, with, with you know like urban meyer now granted i think urban meyer made some missteps i think there were some flaws he was too worried about the outcome all he wanted to do was win 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 but i think he also created an atmosphere where his guys again were completely bought in and and wanted to do the things that he said he wanted to do um you know historically somebody already touched on would be like the uh, the duke of wellington right this guy kind of took this ragtag army of conscripts and whipped the French best uh, against Napoleon, you know, who, who was more or less undefeated at that moment. Um, you know, and so, and there's probably other ones that I'm missing right now. Uh, but there, there certainly are some great people out there. Um, you know, especially on the local level, I try and find people who are one positive. I think, as you know, in politics, negativity is kind of the deal. Now it's how bad can you make the other person look? So I look at some of the leaders who are positive, you know, we have one down here and, you know, his politics might be one way, but I will say this about his positive. It was like a Carl Anderton, uh, you know, state delegate, possible county executive. Um, he's really good at bringing people together. And I think as a leader, that's something that you want is, is the ability to bring people together from diverse backgrounds, diverse viewpoints. Um, you know, so those are just some, some pretty base examples. Um, you know, I'm sure if I if I sat down and thought about it for a lot longer, I could probably come up with, with uh, you know, an extensive list, so to speak. But those are kind of some of the ones that jump off the page at me as I sit here and think about it now. You mentioned earlier your podcast. You got an Anchor Down Leadership podcast, which I know that you just started. You're only a couple episodes into it, kind of like kind of like us with this show. Uh, yeah. It's and it's available in all the major podcast distributors. So I encourage everybody to check that out. What are some of the things? Uh, you guys are talking about on the show what are your plans for the show and what do you ultimately hope to be able to get out of uh, doing the podcast yeah i mean the podcast kind of started um 
I had a, a guy who's actually a, a, a former football coach in Illinois. He runs the coaching channel, and we had kind of gotten up with each other, and he would say, hey, are you interested in doing a show? And, you know, this was like a, a, a Tuesday, and I was like, yeah, sure, I'd be interested. He's like, all right, I need it by next week. I'm like, whoa, okay. And, <laughs> you know, uh, as, you could, as you could tell by listening to this, I'm fairly long-winded, and I can, you know, uh, bloviate, right, so to speak, Um so it was kind of an opportunity for me to express some things to a larger audience that I'd already been thinking, you know, things that I had put down on paper, ideas that I had, um, you know, it's a pretty simple way to reach out to a lot of people. And a lot of people might just be my mom, my dad, my wife, and my brother and sister. But, you know, I, I think it will grow from there. Um, but, you know, we try and keep it to about a half hour, uh, again, because that forces me to be a little bit more succinct. Uh, right now it's just me. I, you know, I'm looking to find some other voices because I know that when I drone on and on, I bore myself sometimes. Um, so trying to do that, but as far as where we want it to go, you know, I would love to see it take off. I really do enjoy that aspect. I, I, I love talking about this stuff and I know that makes me a huge nerd and I am totally okay with that. I made peace with that long ago. So, you know, I, I really do enjoy talking about, I, you know, we kind of want to move in the idea. We want to start interviewing, um, a interviewing different leaders. When I say leaders, I'm not so much talking about, you know, the CEOs of companies. Sure, I, I would love to interview those people, but I want to start interviewing and talking to everyday leaders, maybe people who are a mid-level manager. You know, I, a good buddy of mine who's a, a detective in the state police, you know, and he, but he's been with several different departments. Um, you know, people like that, a, another uh friend of mine who had been a sergeant in the, you know, uh, army Rangers and had served in overseas in Afghanistan, Iraq, you know, because I think that's a lot more relevant to a lot of people. It's great to hear a CEO talk, but how relevant is that to my daily life? How relevant is that to what I can do? But if I can hear a guy who's, you know, worked his way up the chain to become a detective, say, here's some things I did along the way, or uh, my friend who was in the Army Rangers, hey, when I was in the Rangers, this is some things we value and what that's done for him. You know, uh, talk to local business leaders and things like that. What did you do to become a successful, you know, property manager or salesman or whatever it might be? Because I think at the end of the day, those are much more relevant and real to who we are. So, you know, we'll continue kind of the philosophical side of things um, because I think at the end of the day, I want to force people to think, um, you know, we're, we're very, uh, it's, it's the, it's the drive through era, right? It's the, you know, the, the 12 second news clip. It's how fast can you get my, my uh, hamburger out to me generation. And I think that causes us to kind of move too quickly sometimes. And I really want to force people to sit down and say, okay, what do I do as a leader? What do I do as an individual? Um, you know, and force people to think that through. So we'll certainly continue that piece, but we do want to evolve into talking to more people outside of myself, but, you know, really try and talk to people who are local leaders, as I call them, you know, normal people who have leadership roles and how they view successful leaders and how people can be successful as well. If people want to know more about Anchor Down Leadership, they want to hire you to come in and help out their company or organization, how can they do that? All right. So our website is under construction. Um, it's anchordownleadership.com. I know, very original. Um, but we can be found there. Uh, we're all over social media on all everything. We're on Instagram, AD underscore leadership. Uh, the big one that I use is Twitter. My personal is at Dustin W. Mills. Um, or at, uh, I believe it's AD underscore leadership. Again, we have a Facebook group, um, 
but you can always email me dustin at anchordownleadership.com or info at anchordownleadership.com and we can certainly go from there um, and all it starts with is one simple email and we can take it wherever wherever it needs to go wherever they want it to go as well you know i'm a big proponent of being flexible that i have the ideas but i also don't want to come in and tell you it must be done this way I think you need to operate within the structure of who you are as an individual and who your organization is. So it's a case by case basis, but if you reach out and yeah, we'd love to talk with you and love to figure out ways to, you know, try and increase your systems and make your leadership better and help you grow the leaders in your organization. Coach Dustin Mills, head football coach, James M. Bennett Clippers, as well as the founder of Anchor Down Leadership. Dustin, thanks a lot for joining us on this week's show. No problem, Brian. I really appreciate the opportunity. All right, thanks. Take care. Many thanks to Coach Dustin Mills, head coach at J.M. Bennett High School in Salisbury, Maryland, as well as the founder of Anchor Down Leadership for joining us in this week's episode of the show. Be sure to contact Anchor Down Leadership if your organization has any needs in uh, trying to develop your leaders and try to grow your organizations for the future. Of course, please, we ask that you subscribe to the Duckpin Podcast if you haven't listened to us before. If you're new, thank you very much. Hit that subscribe button if you are watching us on YouTube. You can also subscribe on any of your podcatchers, Apple, iTunes, uh, Google, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, whatever. Please make sure that you uh, make sure that you're subscribing so you don't miss a show. And please give us a five-star review, too. That helps us grow immensely as well. We are, of course, at theduckpin.com, all of our writers and content are over at theduckpin.com. And of course, we're on social media, uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please tell your friends about this show. Please tell your friends about the Duckpin. It's word of mouth that really helps us grow as a podcast, as a website. So we appreciate everything that you can do, uh, both in giving us that five-star review, but also telling your friends, family, neighbors, colleagues, coworkers, co-religionists, in-laws, outlaws, everybody you know about the Duckpin and the Duckpin Podcast. For everybody at the Duckpin, thank you very much for watching. I'm Brian Griffiths. You've been watching the Duckpin Podcast. Thank you, and good night. This has been the Duckpin Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and download.